Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, this morning we are continuing our series on essentials, and Thursday night was a great time. Again, if you would like to be a part of our uh, group where we're going through the book Essentials, uh, developing that missional life or cultivating a missional life, you can get the books online at Amazon. If you have Prime, you can get them in a day or so, right? And you could get them and be there Thursday. But we had a great time going through the questions, a lot of really good discussion, a lot of... um, I love hearing from people, so this isn't a Bible study kind of a thing where I'm teaching. This is where we are going over the things that we read, the questions that are asked, and then mull them over, talk about them, get insight from one another, and get encouragement from one another, and it is so, so good. So I encourage you to be a part of it, if at all possible. I think you will enjoy it as much as we did Uh, on Thursday night. starts at 7 o'clock. If you need more information on the book, you can talk to Mary in the back or Sherry or or me, and we can get you that information. But this morning, I'm going to talk to you about 2001, A Space Odyssey, vinegar and baking soda. How many know what that can do, right? Ants. And a pair of binoculars, okay? It's important that we recognize that time is not irrelevant, right? That time has a bearing on society, it has a a bearing on culture, it has a bearing on how we think and the life that we're living in. I mean, think about how things took place just not too long ago. In 1968, 2001, A Space Odyssey came out. I remember going and seeing that movie and kind of tripping out because it was kind of a trippy movie. I saw it again later under different circumstances. We won't go into that. But some of you did the same thing, I can tell. It was a look at what is things, what are things going to be like in the future? 2001, are we going to be traveling in space, right? And all these kinds of things. And I remember thinking, am I going to be alive in 2001? Because 1968, it was so far in the future. And here I am still, you know, hobbling along. We have this idea of the future, right? As it comes ahead and what are the things and what are the things going to be like. 
And think of how much things have changed just in the 200 plus years that we have been a country. How fast could communication take place 200 years ago? It was by the speed of horse, right? As fast as a horse could travel, that was as fast as communication could travel. Now I could FaceTime my son in the Philippines in moments. Think about that. that imagine... 200 years ago, trying to communicate to someone, you will be able to have a device in your hand and see someone on the other side of the world and talk to them. It had been like witchcraft, right? It had been like, that's magic. Because it was so distant from that time. That was 200 years ago. Now, imagine 2,000 years ago. And how... Things were seen and how they understood things. How fast could you travel? The speed of horseback. How did things take place? The average life expectancy just 200 years ago was really between 30 and 40. And 70% of the population didn't grow into being adults because the mortality rate was so low. Imagine how things have changed. And the reason I'm saying that is because when we start talking about hospitality, when I think of hospitality, I think of going to someone's house and them serving me hors d'oeuvres and giving me something to drink and then having dinner for me, right? I like this hospitality. I I go there and they provide all these things. Maybe they take your coat and they're being very hospitable. But... 2,000 years ago, when the New Testament period of time was being penned and lived out, the idea of hospitality was a little bit different than this view that maybe you hold like I do. The word itself in the New Testament is a com- combination of two words. One is philo, which is love. The other is Xanos, which is stranger. And literally, it means love of strangers. Now, before you freak out and go, oh, no, I got to love strangers, the word stranger had a different connotation, too, right? I think of stranger, and maybe my mind goes to a person who's homeless that I don't know. That's a stranger, right? Or the things that we told our kids, you know, uh, stranger danger, you know, these kinds of things like, oh, watch out. You don't know that person. They're a stranger. But the idea of stranger... It's not simply people we don't know, but people that we are disconnected from. People that we are not in interaction with. And and so it doesn't have to be someone you don't know altogether. It's just someone you are not connected with. There are strangers in this room, and you might know their name, but socially it would be considered a stranger. So now thinking the love of strangers is maybe taking on a different connotation. And I say this because I don't want this to be ominous to you. Like, I just can't go to this place. It's maybe not as far as you think. It could be as close as a seat next to you. And the idea of hospitality is, in the biblical sense, it's about inclusion, bringing someone into this place where they're not disconnected from you, but they're actually connected to you in some way, turning our lives towards those who are isolated from us and listening to those maybe who rarely have a voice 
and allowing their voice to be heard. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or rich neighbors. I know you're going to Vince's Spaghetti later, but that's okay. This is, it's not an exclusion of your family, right? If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, again, those who are marginalized here, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. There's, there is something that God is going to give you if you give to these strangers, if you're hospitable to them. Right? There is something that is taking place when you do this. Because hospitality is more than welcoming the stranger into a physical place. Instead, what it's doing is it's challenging us to examine our practices of welcoming people in every setting. Being a part of our lives. So when you go out to eat, when you are at the store or going to do something, who are you going to invite? Who are you going to participate with? Jesus gave a story, a parable, and he said, for when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Lord, when did we do that? When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. When you did it to those whose voice was not heard, that person who you know maybe across the street or in the room but you don't talk to or communicate with, when you did it to them, you did it to me. And so we see hospitality has this effect. It has this reaction that it causes something to take place within the relationship, and within us. When I was younger, we used to take vinegar and baking soda and make rockets. We'd put this little piece of plastic on top of this other little like test tube kind of a thing, and we'd fill it up with vinegar, and then we'd pour some baking soda on, we'd put it on, shake it, and then run, right? And they'd go shooting up. There's other ways to make explosive things. I won't get into that. That was the safe way. It wasn't as loud as some of the others. But there was a reaction that took place between these two chemicals. The vinegar, right? The baking soda, the infusion. It's like the Coke and Mentos thing. You know, something happens when the two gets together. Something happens when hospitality becomes a part of our life. Something happens in the relationships that we are engaging in. Something happens to us. It transforms us from being people who are secluded and excluding to people who are including. And this used to be a very important part of these early followers of Christ. So much so that when Paul was talking about the qualifications for an elder, 
He says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. In Titus 1, 7 through 8, he says, Not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable. When have you heard that this is a requirement for someone to lead a church is that they're hospitable, right? Oh, they need to know the Bible. Oh, yeah, they can't be drunk. They can't be, you know, adulterers, blah, blah, blah. But when do we hear hospitable? It was part of the package. Why? Because that is where the combustion takes place. That is where something ignites from that person to the people around them. And what they're looking for are people who are explosive. People who have this chemistry of inclusion that extend themselves to others. This was part of what they saw needing to take place. You need to be a person who loves the stranger. And again, the stranger are these people you encounter. They're people you know, but not really well enough. People who are a part of your life but still, in a sense, distant. And I wonder, what has happened where, if this hospitality was such an important part of the early faith and life, how did it become so distant? What happens to us when we lose this in our lives? There is a power that the early followers of Christ lived in that starts to disappear from our lives. And we've been talking about this through the series, how our culture has become very much more exclusive, right? We have communities now that have walls around them. Some of the communities don't even have sidewalks because they don't expect people to walk to each other's house. They just drive in, go into their own house, and then drive out. We talked about how houses used to be small and more people lived in them, and now houses are bigger and fewer people live in them. There's this distancing that takes place, and something else is taking place if we start to imitate that. If we don't include and we start becoming exclusive then there is a chemistry that we start to lose one of the things that takes place in an ant colony is when ants are walking around and crawling all over each other i know some of you are like they actually communicate the most by touch That communication takes place when they're little antennae things touch each other. They're sending out information to each other that they can't do with words, right? Because they don't talk except in the cartoons. They don't have good eyesight. They don't wave hello. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, come over here. There's pizza, right? It's all through this communication of touch. If they find some food, they leave a little scent, and then they go back, and the others see and touch them. They go, oh, there's the scent, and they'll follow that scent back to the food. And the more of them come, the stronger the scent gets, and that's why you see a whole line of them going to that little candy that's left on the sidewalk. The communication is by the interaction that allows them to develop into a 
basically a colony that is able to survive and has survived even though they're so small. There's a lot of organization that takes place just in that communication. An ant by itself will not last. It might be out there, you know, a scout trying to find something. And that's another way they communicate. If there's a lot of them, they keep bumping into each other. They'll spread out so that they can find a way to get some food. And it's funny because when they're together, you see them all crossing over each other. But then when it's by himself, they'll usually walk in a straight line because they're not communicating and they're just trying to go out and look. But once they look, they have to go back and find the others, communicate with them so that they can all share in this, even if it's something that's dangerous. They have to communicate with the others so that they can protect the whole. Do we think of ourselves in that line? We are a part of something more. Or do we retreat behind our walls, behind our gates, behind our doors, behind our communities so that we won't be bothered, right? We don't just feel threatened because of what's out there. We feel uncomfortable by the things that are going to interrupt our Lives And when it's our lives, it might be just that single family, right? It's just me, my wife, my kids. That's our life. I don't want intrusion. I, I don't want someone coming into our life. I want to be able to retreat and have this time. And I can understand that, but then that becomes the majority of time, right? I have to go to work so that I can come home and be by ourselves. And again, this seclusion starts to affect us. Our homes or maybe even our churches become sanctuaries from the evil of the world out there. And we start doing everything that we can to segregate ourselves from the things outside there. We, we don't want our kids being influenced and so they're going to go to these private schools and, and we're only going to interact with these people. Where is hospitality? In that frame of thinking, where is hospitality? The love of strangers, the others, the ones who don't have your voice. Where is the love for those people? This is our space. We decide carefully who we let in and we'll exclude who we feel threatened by, who make us uncomfortable. And pretty soon, if we don't realize it, family becomes a type of idol. Right, where my family is what is most important to me. And this idea of loving the other starts to lose its meaning, especially what it meant these years ago. And so we can't let time take away the power of what hospitality did in the early church. We can't let time erode how we see what happened and allow these things to continue in our lives. Because missional hospitality, instead of being a way to expand the kingdom of God, if it becomes a threat to our homes, then we are reversing how things are, right? Missional hospitality is just that, expanding the kingdom of God. It's extending ourselves. And without knowing it, seclusion is weakening our voice in God's kingdom. 
the lack of hospitality is weakening the voice of God in my life to others. And this is a foreign concept, at least to me in so many ways. It's always been about knowing. I got to know the right things. I've got to believe the right things. Idea of hospitality. Oh, yeah, that's nice. We'll have our potlucks, right? We'll have our little get-togethers. Oh, yeah, we have hospitality. That's great. But no, it was more than that. This was very expansive. This was, again, very much a chain reaction that took place with those early followers of Christ as they extend themselves to others. See, I can go to church. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, let's pat on the back, pray for you, have lunch with you. Boom, go to my house. And I will not see you, talk to you, or hear from you for the rest of the week. And then even that group can become cliquish, right? Oh, I only hang out with these people. I only hang out with the musicians. I only hang out with the ushers. All three of them. I can only hang out with, you know, whatever that group is. And you might not say it in those terms, but pretty soon your circle gets smaller and smaller. And there's someone who comes, doesn't know anybody, and they go home alone and isolated. You don't know their story. You don't know their struggle. And something is happening. You are dying inside because you are not expanding in hospitality. There was a second officer named David Blair who was supposed to go on the Titanic, but he was removed from the ship's roster at the very last minute. And David forgot to give the keys to his locker to the other gentleman who was on the crow's nest, who was the lookout. And inside his locker, they found that pair of binoculars that I showed at the beginning. And after the ship sunk, a surviving lookout by the name of Fred Fleet divulged that those binoculars, the iceberg collision would have been prevented because they could have seen it far enough ahead. But because one person did not give the key so that they could unlock the locker, so that they could take the binoculars up to the crow's nest, they didn't see the iceberg, and we know the result. A little thing, like a pair of binoculars, something that we think, oh, it's just something small incidental, It caused something horrific. Little things like hospitality, like a pair of binoculars, right, can have a huge effect on our lives and how we see things around us, right? If we don't have this, we are blind to something that is taking place that can sink us, that can have this kind of effect on us. And maybe we don't see that the fear of letting go of control, the fear of wanting to be in charge of these things is actually hindering us from this hospitality, is actually causing damage to us and to our community, the people we interact with, because we are not engaging with those people. 
fearful that a stranger who's not like us, that they think differently, that they have different values, they're going to make us uncomfortable. And so we don't want to show hospitality. We don't want to show love to that person. We're not going to include that person because they are so different. Right? I, I, I love the diversity in our community. Y'all are different. Right? We all are different. There's something there that allows the work of God to change me in our diversity. Paul would say we are all members of one body, but we're not all the same part. Some are hands, some are feet, right? We all have a different purpose. And we are created as relational beings. We need one another, but we keep distancing ourselves for the sake of comfort. We keep making the walls higher. We keep setting the fences further out. We, we keep dividing the lines socially, racially. In so many ways, we keep this diversity happening. And what the gospel message is about is about this love of strangers, bringing others near, helping us to connect. And this just isn't something that happens, but it has to be something that we make happen. Paul would say in Romans 12, 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need, participate hospitality. That word participate is actually pursue. Pursue hospitality. If you get anything out of today's talk, get this. Pursue hospitality. We are not just to receive the stranger when they come to us, but we're actually to go after, to look for them. We are to pursue them. Pursue the love of that stranger. Person who you don't know so well. Person who's a little bit removed from you. Now, What if I pursue this person and I don't like them? (laughs) Those things happen, right? Just because you pursue someone doesn't mean you're going to like them. And what if I pursue someone and they become a real burden? And they start become someone who is really leeching off me, right? These are the fears we have, right? Isn't it? Am I alone here? It's like, man, I don't want to pursue this person because they seem a little too needy. And they're going to require too much from me. Well, that's where we have to have boundaries, right? I've told people, don't call me at 2 a.m. It's not okay. I had, right? I I didn't say don't ever call me again. I just said, don't call me at 2 a.m. It's not okay. You see, that's part of the relational development, setting boundaries and letting them know that, hey, I I want to be a part of your life and here's where I can help, but here's where I can't. I can't at 2 a.m. when you're, you know, not sure if, you know, your girlfriend's going to break up with you or not. I'm not sure either and don't call me at 2 a.m. We can talk about it at 10 a.m. See, that's actually 
part of hospitality. That's teaching someone boundaries, teaching them when it's okay and when it's not okay. Because some people don't have those things. Some people don't have boundaries where their parents said, you shouldn't call people at 2 a.m. unless it is worth calling at 2 a.m. Now, sometimes it is, right? Sometimes you're at the hospital, there's something serious going on, and you need that 2 a.m. phone call. But sometimes it's not. And that's part of, the, again, developing relationships. The lack of hospitality is really not something that we commit. It's something that we omit. It's something that we fail to do. We don't only fail to help others in need. We fail to grow in our lives. Our world becomes smaller because we are not extending ourselves to others. And we don't know all that's happening because we just see our world. Peter said, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I love that. Hey, and don't grumble about it. It's like, man, I had to be nice to that person, right? Without grumbling, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God's grace in its various forms. I love that. God's grace has all kinds of forms. God's grace shows up at meals when a person needs it. God's grace shows up as a friendly phone call saying how you're doing. God's grace shows up in so many ways. And you have received from God some ability to communicate his grace in some way to someone. Ooh, that's exciting. What way? That's between you, right, and God. I don't know. Some of you are great at giving cards. You write the nicest things. You give the perfect card. Oh, I know that they love keys, so I'm going to make a card that's shaped like a key, and I'm going to write something about locks and keys, and I'm going to give it to them, and it'll you know, be received, and you'll say, oh, that's so neat. That's so special. You really thought about me when you gave that card. Me, I'm going to go down to Vaughn's, find a card, and say, sorry, whatever. You know, I'm just like, I'm not that guy to be that thoughtful in that way. But some of you, man, that stuff just lights you up. Oh, I want to get them this because they like this. And that's what you do. Some of you are very conscientious, aware of the needs of others. And you're able to read when something's not going right and go up to someone and say, hey, is everything okay? And have a conversation that's deeper and more important. This is just, again, various forms of grace. This is, again, various forms of hospitality. And you pursue those things. Because when you don't, your world gets smaller. Right? I've said this before. Fear makes our world smaller. I'm afraid 
of what that person's going to think of me so I don't extend myself. I'm afraid of heights, so I stay off of ladders or stay out of airplanes. I'm afraid of crowds, so I don't go to concerts or places or maybe even churches where there's a lot of people. I'm afraid of this, and my world keeps getting smaller and smaller, and our fear to engage with other people not only makes our world smaller in our interaction with other people, but I think it makes our hearts smaller and our ability to give what God has given to us. What you have received and the way that grace shows up in the various forms doesn't get communicated. And so what happens if it doesn't get exercised? It starts to wither. It starts to get weak. It starts to die. What a tragedy of the grace that God has to give to other people begins to die in you. Because it's so important to somebody. You and what you have to give are so important to somebody. And hospitality is supposed to be a part of our character if we are followers of Christ. So what are some things that we can do? Right? These are just things to think about. If I'm supposed to pursue hospitality, how do I? Right? Maybe it's going to be uh, people being invited into your home. Have them over for dinner. Have them over to play cards. Have them over for whatever reason. Maybe it's going to be take someone out to have a cup of coffee. Maybe it's going to be the neighbor who's a widow who's living by herself and going and checking on her or taking her trash cans in or making sure she's okay when the power goes out in the neighborhood, right? Maybe hospitality is just extending yourself into this place. Maybe it's the single mom who's ragged because she's alone and working and has three children and needs some help. Maybe you can extend yourself and get to know her and feel comfortable with her and the kids where you can actually allow her to go out and have dinner with some friends while you babysit the kids. Now we're talking big stuff, right? Man, babysitting kids. Some of you have received that type of grace. Some of you are great for doing that. Right? These are all areas. You know, maybe we can start a small group. Maybe hospitality is extending ourselves to people who are foster parents or children, developing our homes, opening our homes to be short-term or long-term foster parents. There's so many areas. Grace is so varied in all these things. But you see, hospitality just isn't about inviting people in. It is pursuing people out. And so we have to remember what the idea of hospitality is. It's love of stranger. And we have to remember what stranger is. It's just someone who is on the outside that we don't know well enough. And I think there's a lot of room in that for us to grow. Let's pray. Father, once again, I am challenged by these things. And I am confronted by 
the shortness of sight that I have. Lord, the limited understanding that I have understood hospitality or strangers, not recognizing how important this is to me as a person who believes in you. And my prayer for myself and for everyone who is here, Lord, is that we would grow in this hospitality. I pray for those who are afraid, afraid to extend themselves past the walls, past the doors, past their comfort zone. Lord, help them to step past the fear to make their world bigger make their heart bigger, to allow your kingdom to become bigger. Lord, might we again be a, a community that is known by our hospitality. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May the grace you've been given by God take form in its various ways and be given to those outside. May we become people of hospitality. God bless you guys. Have a tremendous week. Thank you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.